All right. Come on up, Pete. Let's talk, brother. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, y'all welcome, Pete. All right, so uh, I want to, I wanna, uh, you said something yesterday, I'm going to remind you of it. It really, it really uh, stuck out to me. Um, I know you and uh, Mark, Dr. Mark Andrews, um, they were doing a podcast together. That's never happened before. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, y'all were doing a podcast about Mark's ministry, which I thought was great. This is how this all turned out, how God kind of brought us all together. It was a neat thing. But uh, I, I shared with you, um, last Sunday we talked about uh, breakfast on the beach, right? If y'all were here, you remember where Jesus um, is on the beach and the disciples don't really recognize him and they've been fishing all night. And he says, throw the nets out and they throw the nets out and they catch this. And John's the one that goes, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he comes running and they have this breakfast on the beach. And then there's that awkward moment where, you know, it was, you know, Peter, do you, do you love me? You know, and we talked about the Greek and all that. But you said something yesterday. We were talking about um, asking, I think, Isaiah, you did something with the kids recently where you asked them, if you could ask Jesus anything, what would you ask him? And what did you say? I thought this was great. Oh, man. If I had, I would ask Jesus one question three times. Jesus, do you love me? How about that? That was very interesting. And then again, yeah. that's all I would have to know. Yeah. I think uh, it would be, I know he does, you know, but still, just to hear it. I mean, my wife knows that I love her, but dang it. I got to say it. That's right. That's <laughs> she right. wants to hear it. That's right. Absolutely. Our kids do too. Well, you know, we, you know, we've been talking about Easter and Easter, and we just sang that song, you know, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Obviously... Um, obviously, God's done some amazing things. I know I think about, you know, Petra, Grammys, and going all over the world and traveling, playing guitar, and then all of a sudden, God calls you to something else. You want to kind of share with us how, how that resurrection began? Oh, my goodness. So, I guess just quickly, uh, just a little backstory um, about me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I, I think I went, you know, Easter services, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, we talked um, about those people last week, didn't we? Yeah, that, that. that was me. That yeah. was my folks. You know, baby boomers. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, that's, I had exposure of, of who God was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I was pretty familiar with the, the Christian subculture. Um, and, but there was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of traumatic stuff that I was going through as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in a real abusive home. Um, and just to give, I guess, a little backstory, I don't need any sympathy because I'm kind of over it, but, you know, my mom used to um, put me underwater as an infant, you know, and drown me to keep me quiet. She couldn't handle the, um, the, the crying. I think there was a lot of, she was going through a lot of things. She would throw me across the room. She told this to my wife before we got married and dislocate my shoulders as a kid, and I just grew up just in that kind of abuse until I left the house and I... Uh, was on the streets for about a year to a year and a half. And I slept in storage units and, um, you know, ch uh, chapels at churches. They met, if had a prayer chapel open, I would stay there. And so I had, I had this that I was coming out of. Um, I mean, the abuse was so great that I actually lost my gallbladder because of it. And uh, just the, the intensity of, um, of the stress and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm glad there were no diagnosed, 
you know, nothing to diagnose me back then like there are today because I'd have been racked up, you know, all this kind of stuff. But um, you just knew that that life was tough. And so when when I got married and my wife was really pushing me at that time, uh, I was given a guitar at four years old by my aunt. And when I, I lived in a, I was in my room and I just had a bed and a clock and a dresser. That was it. Nothing was on my walls. And I spent many, many years in my room. Uh, that's a whole other story. But I had this guitar that was given to me. I still have it when I was four years old. And I kept it in my closet so that that wouldn't be stripped from me. So when I was, when I was uh, you know, during this just time of just boredom, I learned how to play. I taught myself how to play. Wow. Matter of fact, um, my, so my wife knew that there was a talent there. I knew that I enjoyed music. I really didn't know how good I was until I went to a bigger ocean with bigger fish, and, and I was a big fish as well. But you just don't have any idea. I'm glad I didn't. I think it probably kept me humble. Um, but I didn't know to what degree. But the people around me, my wife knew, so we moved to Nashville. Uh, that's a long story there. But I got involved in the Christian music industry, and I thought, man, here's a chance to play full-time. And at least it's not with Motley Crue. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, drinking Coke and snorting whiskey. So um, <laughs> my church never laughs at my jokes. I wish I could video this right now and, and stream it into them right now. Um, but it wasn't even my joke. I think it's an old song. Um, so that, that I thought that it was a good environment. And, you know, it wasn't a reckless environment. And that's just the door that opened up. So... So I went, and I actually went to Nashville. I didn't even know the names of my strings, my guitar strings. And I, I, was, I had to learn them to not look like a complete idiot, but uh, I was just all self-taught. And so I got involved in Christian music. So the type of person that I am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a logician. I'm a, I'm very, uh, a rational person, and I just... I was very pragmatic at the time, meaning that uh, the, the, the end justified the means, and so... I just thought that um, I was building my philosophy. So if, if I was succeeding and I was coming down from, you know, the pits of hell, so to speak, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm no longer homeless and now I'm on tour and now I'm, you know, winning awards and, and you know, purchasing my own homes and cars and vehicles. And, and all of a sudden I became a self-made man. And therefore, that was my view of kind of Christianity and uh, that was, it was, it was kind of stamped as a God's redeeming story in my life. Uh, and, and then there came a point where the Lord cut off any opportunity to go any further. And so it challenged my ideals. It challenged my whole worldview mm-hmm. of what the gospel was. And I, and, and I started developing um, this idea that God wasn't involved. He couldn't have been. I did this on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was through hard work. It was through talent. It was through pushing forward. Um, that whole, you know, Rocky story thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I ended up in a spot where, you know, things started not coming together. And that's when my whole world crashed. And I had to kind of evaluate my process as well. Mm-hmm. So, God was not, there was not really a relationship there. It was, you believed in a God, but he was just kind of out there 
and you were a self-made man, like you said. I mean, you were able to overcome this abuse from your from your childhood. You had this yeah. talent, and so well, was there any was there any defining moment? Did someone maybe challenge you, or or a group of people maybe challenged you with where you were? I mean, you're playing in a Christian band, you know. I mean, I don't know how close to Christ you know, those folks are, but you would think. Yeah, and my ears were closed and eyes were blinded, so I, I, I cannot, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. You know, I've met, I can't count how many pastors and churches I've been in. I mean, I, I've been to all 50 states except Hawaii um, and 30-something, five, six countries, I'm not sure. I've even been to South Korea where they've got the biggest church in the world with Dr. Mm-hmm. Cho, met him and... Um, but you know nobody, nobody really challenged me, and I, and I kind of got angry as at, when I came to faith because, you know, I, I was obviously obviously not living a good life. I mean, it, there were there were signs. There were, uh, I hate to ruin anybody's image, but I mean, I they they I got reported one time at the uh, at our record company. They called me in because I was drunk, like in Finland or Norway or something like that, and wow. and I was uh, exchanging my money at the counter and swapping it out for U.S. bills or something. And I was just so blissed out of my mind. I left like three, $400 on the counter and just kept walking, and they had to come find me and get me on the plane. And it wasn't always like that. I don't want to give that story, but it's like, you know, nobody was like, dude, what are you thinking? So there was no personal relationship. There's no corporate relationship, which is just as important. Um, and there was no lordship at all. Mm-hmm. It and 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 I became a deist. I remember my poor wife. She's been saved for a long time, um, and I used to tell her, you know, when she would be praying about something, I'm like, "You're wasting your time." Wow. Because God just created this whole thing, created this marble, and spun it on its axis, and He doesn't care. You know, I mean, I'm I'm traveling the world, and and I hear one group of Christians praying for somebody with cancer, and they die. You know, and I found out people over here that are atheists and, 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 and they get cured, you know, and then you start, then my logical mind is like, well, you've always got stem cell cancer, you know, that stem cells that, um, these cancer cells that never go away. And you, you just kind of start bringing in science into it and different things like that. And, you know, is it, is it remission? Is it healing? Is it this and that? And then so these Christians, um, I used to just start to give them a hard time and I would be backstage just kind of poking at them at their different contradictions. And it's like, I thought, man, is, is Christianity like polytheism? I mean, there's all kinds of gods. There's all kinds of forms of Jesus. There are all kinds of doctrines. I didn't know that was the term, but just beliefs. And, you know, it's so funny how it's just a cop-out, this Christianity thing that they'll pray for somebody, and if, 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 if they go through remission, oh, it's God's healing. And, and if they die, well, it's just God's will. I'm like, make up your mind. And it was just so confusing and the, the different doctrines all over the world and all over the United States, to be honest, you know, led me into deism, not, not to the cross. And, and, and so I'll get into my pursuit and knowing this thing to make sure I'm not a part of that problem. Right. So, so where was there finally a breakthrough? I mean, because that's a frustrating place to be yes. as a deist, that there's a God out there that spins it, but he's hands off. The breakthrough was, <clears throat> now that I know how sneaky God is, um, <laughs> he, he, he started cutting off opportunity. Uh, nine, uh, there, there, was a, there was a point where um, 
my record company got bought out. Um, Sony was bought out by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers didn't want to renew my contract, and they were still kind of barely working my old record and or my fairly new record. And anyway, there's just a lot there. And so this is my livelihood, and I had a hard time getting re-signed. I couldn't get re-signed. And when you get dropped like this, the phone stops ringing. So I'm having to do a lot of things on my own and hire my own uh, people to push radio. And I'm getting some success here and there, and I'm doing still gigs uh, flying around and stuff. But it's starting to stop, and I'm freaking out. And just like you guys, I mean, you guys are paying bills and you've kind of got a routine and a budget. And if anything were to change in the next couple of weeks, you know, in the next couple of months or even sooner, you'd be in trouble. And so it's the same thing. And so uh, this started falling apart, man. I just wasn't, where's this, where's this self-made guy? You know, when you've got a guy that's, you know, got talent and got drive and he's young and I'm in the mix of it all. And it was so confusing to me that I, I couldn't stir anything up. I couldn't get re-signed. I couldn't. It was just the most bizarre thing in the world, and my life just kept crashing down. So, you know, talent covers a multitude of sin, and when I wasn't there to uh, cover that sin, it really, the, uh, my, my true nature was exposed. My marriage was falling apart. I had two kids at the time that were young. I've got four now. Two that were really young, and uh, you know, just like a mom with her identity with her family and her children, I mean, I, men have their identity with what they do, which I will never do again, not even as a pastor, um, and, and just have all my eggs in that basket. I was falling apart, dude, and I became worse, and just, you could see my wretchedness and my hatred, and uh, just with life and my cynicism, I became very jaded. I was becoming jaded. Uh, which is something that I, I, I promised the Lord I would never become again. Uh, I repented for being a self-made man, and I repented for becoming jaded and cynical uh, and negative and things like this. But it, it was just a sorry place. So my wife said, man, I got to get him out of here. I got to get him to Nashville. So I went to L.A. And I made some connections in Los Angeles, and I was, gonna pay, I was even going to play for uh, Kenny Loggins. I met with him. And I was going to go on tour with him as his guitar player. And something didn't sit right. Um, I thought he was very strange. That helped part of it when I met him. Uh, yeah, that was, that's a whole other story. But so I just didn't feel right about it. And we came back to Texas because I'm like, dude, so we had to sell our home there. And uh, we came back to Texas. I was just searching. I thought that the environment change mm -hmm. would change my life. Right. Uh, the outside. So I went back to Texas. Things weren't getting any better. I mean, they, I got so low that I, I the guitar center wouldn't even hire me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I got a Grammy on the shelf and gold records. And, you know, because my resume is horrible. I got this big blank spot, like on tour, you know, all these years. I mean, what else, what else do I put? It's just a different path. And so, man, I was, I was, I was going to divorce that woman. Uh, it got that bad. She couldn't stand me, I don't think. I couldn't stand her. And you just blame everything else, everybody else for your problems. And um, so there was this one church I remember, and the pastor has passed away. His name was Pastor Freddie Garcia. And I remember that one time I was playing um, at his church, and I was smoking outside the church. And... Uh, 
I, I, before I went in, and, and I think somebody caught me, and, and not that I was really hiding it, and I just thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to hear about this from the record company as well. And then I went inside, and I think I dropped something, and I said a cuss word, probably the F-bomb. Um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be in huge trouble. Like, gosh, they're going to call me in again. And they never did. Pastor never did. Uh, and I just remember this type of mercy. Not that it should be allowed, but I remember this type of mercy. And so I called him up. I said, I got problems. And that's the only church I remember that had that kind of mercy that wasn't judging my behavior. Um, they had every right to. Um, but I just, I was doing concerts there, here and there. So I went to them and man, the first thing that they did was they held up my own Bible and they said, you got to admit one thing first before we even start, that you know nothing about this book. And I didn't. I just wrote lyrics from it. I mean, you, you could give me, give me a Mormon book and I could write a lyric. I write a song from it or, 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 you know, a Muslim. Give me the Quran. I could, I could write a lyric. I'm, I'm, I'm a poet. I'm a writer. So I would just open up stories and put it together and glue it. Um, so I went there, man, and uh, my wife started being discipled by the pastor's wife, Nympha. She's still alive. And I was, I was starting to be discipled and just spoken to about the word from that pastor and his son. And man, I just, it was, it was just some time because they were in San Antonio and I lived in Austin. So I would travel there. And I remember one time I went there, dude, and I just broke on his bedroom floor. And I just cried. And I just called out to the Lord. And I just wanted him to just save me. And I just got to a point where I hated myself and I didn't want to continue. And that is really hard to, for a self-made man to admit. Um, and I'd never broken down. And the Lord just started stripping me away and stripping things from my life that I was secure in and wanted my security to be in Christ alone. And so this was a, a struggle. I don't know what day I was I was saved. I don't have a date or a time. It was this long, grueling, stripping process. And um, I remember coming to, to just, I remember feeling guilt for my sin. That was an odd feeling to be doing what I've always been doing and then feel guilt for it. That was kind of exciting because um, I, I never had a moral compass uh, being raised in an abusive home, you know, you just, you don't develop that. So it was a blessing for me, you know. Um, and so um, I just, my prayer, and even today, I still pray it weekly, just a small prayer, God, I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. And that's all I knew at the time. And so that's the only prayer I would, I would pray. Um, and I remember that uh, one of the things that this pastor told me is like, you need to get off the stage. And I think this is the first time I've been on a stage in years. Wow. I, I'm try, I was asking my wife. I, I was obedient to that hmm. for a long time, 10, 12 years, something like that. So I pulled away. 
Um, How hard was that? It was difficult, man. I mean, it would be like, oh, you guys quit your job. (laughs) You know, do it for the faith. I mean, let's say there was just something that that wasn't right with your Christian walk and what you did. And and, and so everything you know and your credentials, uh, your experience, your degrees, do something completely opposite where that, that has no credibility. It's just, it's a bizarre place. And then to be dropped from the professional world, you know, back into a normal community, that was a culture shock as well. So it was, it was definitely hard. And, um, but I wanted Jesus so bad. And I even told the guy, I said, man, you don't have, you have no idea what this is going to mean. You know, I, I don't know what else to do. I've done this my whole life. And I said, I've got a wife and I've got kids and everything like that. I I said, you know, you can't just pull away. And he told me something I would never forget. He he said, Pete, if you knew how much Jesus, if you knew that Jesus, the moment you realize, this is the exact quote, the moment you realize that Jesus loves your family more than you do, it will change your life. Mm -hmm. And that burden just fell off of me to be the provider of my home. And I quit everything. And I shut down my studio and I opened up some, like, branding company, you know, and helped people market product and boxes and designing stuff. I, I had to start all over and um, building websites for them. And, but I was honorable. I did it for the Lord. I was like, I, I have no business up here. I don't even know what I'm saying. I mean, sometimes with Petra, I would give my story, and I was beaten. I was homeless, and now I've got a Grammy. Who wants that Jesus? I mean, there's so many false conversions I've been responsible for. Mm. It's awful. I mean, it's haunting. I asked the Lord, I was talking to Mark, I was like, I, I hope God lets me redeem that someday and get back out there and pick up a mic and profess Christ and give glory to him, you know, and lead people to understand what a biblical conversion is mm-hmm. and what following Christ is. So that, that's how it was, man. And it's, it, was a, it was an it was an awful moment, but a beautiful moment. All right. Well, uh, maybe share with us how you went from there to the In Triumph Ministries. How, how did that kind of come full circle? Sneaky, too. Yeah. God's sneaky. God reveals what he wants to reveal mm-hmm. to get you to step forward. My goodness. It's like the apostles. You know, they thought he was going to be the king of this world and and, and build an army, and they were going to, you know, be the men of that, you know, in charge of, like, this new Jerusalem, and no idea they were all going to be persecuted and killed, and the kingdom was spiritual. So, you know, just enough to understand. So I, uh, I was in my studio one night, and I was just crying before the Lord, and, and, I, and it was during that time that I was actually repenting for being a self-made man. And and my whole career and my life flashed before me as I was repenting for being self-made. By the way, that testimony never goes over well. I mean, every time I've ever given my testimony of being, repenting from being self-made to a men's group, it's like a Led Zeppelin flying over. <laughs> Men hate that testimony. But so I was repenting for this. And literally, man, I remember my wife knocking on the door, on my door of my studio. and like, babe, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, just leave me alone. And I was just, I mean, just snot and tears coming down. And I looked up at all my gear, and I'm talking like microphones, ribbon mics, condenser mics, to converters going from Pro Tools to, to tape 
to limiters and compressors and all the knowledge that I've got in touring and marketing and radio and, 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 and just in traveling and putting together a record. And I mean, all of the stuff in my, in my head that I did for self. And I just looked at this thing and I just said, Lord, I am going to put more effort in knowing your word than I ever have in my career. And it was just this fire. And I didn't do it to, like, pay God back. I was so appreciative of this peace that I had. And that's all I had because he didn't change any of my problems. All my problems still existed. Um, but my, my marriage was healing, and I was learning how to be a father. My, the pastor told me, everything I teach you, go home and, and, and make your wife your first disciple. And so that was my very first thing. Even as a, as a baby Christian, I would just go and repeat it to her. And, and look at what they showed me, and this is what the Bible says, and this is what, how we should be as, as Christians. And then my kids were really little, but I was starting to be a, a Christian father to them. And, and, man, I just started diving in. And so I ordered a, a Bible for Dummies book. I had my friends <laughs> laugh at me. Yeah, I did. It's my first book. And I read about the papyrus paper and the type of uh, fruits they used uh, for the inks. And, and, I, and that was confusing, too, man, because um, I found out there were like two Bibles. And my faith was rocked a little bit. And I'm, two Bibles? You know, one's called the Masoretic Text and the other one the Septuagint. And I were like, oh, wait, hold on a second. The one's the Greek and then one's the, you know, the Hebrew. And then found out about the Dead Sea Scrolls and that one gave, you know, uh, the, the Septuagint kind of more authority and... Um, all this history behind all this stuff, and I just started learning and learning and learning and learning, and uh, the, you know the genealogies and the how everything's put together. And then um, I did what I did in music. I was an Eddie Van Halen fan when I was a kid, and Guitar Player Magazine did interviews with him, and his hero was like Alan Holdsworth. So I'm like, who's Alan Holdsworth? He's a jazz player. So I started doing that, and I played this game: Can I track back modern day preachers all the way to the apostles? I mean, if there's a remnant, as I'm reading in Scripture, can I find it? And there's one gospel, and I know there's one gospel, instead of all these gospels that confused me and all these doctrinal differences and beliefs, I want to find it. So I just started doing this for my own life, mm -hmm. for my own sanctification, to be shaped like Christ, and then for my family. And then one day, <laughs> I felt this call to ministry. And... So I wanted to help young men like me. And so my wife and I started pulling people into our home. Uh, I mean, we had anywhere from, you know, 8 to 10 to 12, 13, 14 at one time in our home. And, I mean, we had HOA codes and everything. We were breaking and fire this and that. And right, right. I was telling the kids, don't leave the house during the day. They're like, don't be out in the yard. We got to play at night. The neighbors are going to kick us out. We're going to be fined and all this kind of stuff. And we weren't making any money, but we had people coming in going, man, I can't believe what you're doing. Here's $100. Here's $200. By the grace of God, we started making it. Well, these kids were coming in with drugs. They were coming in from the foster care system. They were coming in. We took in all kinds of walks of life. They were, we've, I've, and they live with us, with our kids. Um, my kids were in, in diapers. My, my uh, youngest kids were climbing over 
prostitutes and, and, and dealers and drug addicts uh, and felons and crawling over them in diapers to get to our, our room. And it was just nuts, you know, and God protected us. We were all heart, no head. Don't, I don't advise doing that, but we've had Wiccans come in and Muslims and atheists and deists and humanists and uh, I mean, all walks of life and Christians and Baptists and Church of Christ and Pentecostals. And I mean, you just you just name it. And so, man, I had to study each one of these to be able to preach Christ crucified. And in this, they had questions and they had objections and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know what an apologist was, but I was being trained for that, I guess. That's how it started. Um, he just kind of puts a burden on your heart and sneaks you in. Well, we're glad you answered that call. It's a great story. I wish we could keep going. We're going to kind of wrap it up. But I wanted to just maybe, you know, the, the thing that really strikes me is, you know, the, the self-made man. And like you said, it means we don't like to hear that because we think we are. And I would even say, you know, men are more wired that way, but even women sitting here today, you're like, yeah, but I've done all this and I'm a good mom and I've done this and, you know, kind of that. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> you talked about coming from deism and, and I thought about something um, Jesus said in Matthew. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. That is a... Does that scare anybody? Because even me, I can say, man, I preached all these sermons and people come and I baptize so many, but if I don't really know Jesus personally and I'm doing it, and, you know, for his kingdom, he says, I don't know you. And I, and I know you came a kind of a different route, but you got there, and, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, I appreciate you being here today. I appreciate what you and Kelly have done for countless young men. You've changed their lives. I mean, that's scary. I've been a foster parent, but, um, you know, not, <laughs> not like drug dealers and Wiccans and, and prostitutes in our house, stuff like that. So Only the gospel. Convert. I mean, all those people that you just listed off – they are coming against God trying to defend themselves on they're throwing out their own works. Right. We get there by grace alone, man. Grace, right. It's just the Spirit of God converted right. me. Well, any, any, anything you might, I know you talked to our young people this morning, maybe something in the culture that as we kind of close this morning that you'd like to maybe challenge us with. I mean, the, the self-made man is, is, is really something I think we all struggle with, especially in this country. Yeah. You know, to be successful in the United States means there's, you know, there's a bunch of stuff behind me, whether it's, you know, degrees or yeah. dollar signs or a big resume. Yeah, I would, um, um, man, I, I would like to mention a couple things. Sure. I'd like to mention my podcast. If you absolutely, absolutely. I, I, and it's great. I've got way. cards out there. I do a podcast uh, and I release one every 1st and 15th. And Mark is going to be on one of those. I, mm-hmm. I did one with him in a couple of months. I'm going to release it. But they're just Christian conversations called Christian Conversations Unfiltered. I've got cards. Take one and uh, have your kids show you how to, you know, podcast. <laughs> but we'll bring up different topics on things like this. And I will say that you, you got to know your Bible. I mean, you just have to know it. The, the worldview today is secular humanism, which, which just means this, that the, the problems today, the world is saying it's, it's a lack of government, it's a lack of medicine, 
and it's a lack of knowledge. And if we can just give people more government, more medicine, and more knowledge, it'll fix these problems. We have to know that that's the secular worldview right now and will probably always be. And we are about the gospel. And we can't, we have to make sure that we're not being a modern day Judaizer, mixing works with grace as they were doing with the Galatians. We have to make sure that we're not buying into a lot of this stuff. Theology, the understanding of God, was before psychology. And so be careful not to be a modern day postmodern Judaizer mixing and buying in all of this stuff and abandoning Scripture. He's the God of all or he's not the God at all. Know your word. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much yes, for being here. For thank, you for, um, thank you for speaking to our kids today. I know you kids enjoyed having Pete in there. They had questions ahead of time, and they, they got to ask you. And I, I just appreciate your heart for people, for yes, young people. I've enjoyed it. Everybody I've met here. Yeah. Well, let me pray for you as we close, all right? God, I want to thank you for uh, Pete this morning. Thank you for what you've done in his life, the transformation for him and Kelly. Thank you for what they're doing with these young men that they're bringing into their home and um, sharing the gospel message of, of transforming grace. And thank you for what you have done in his life, what you continue to do. I, I pray for their ministry together. I'll pray you'll continue to lead them in that. And just thank you for him sharing with us today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.